Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Sales Leadership Awakening Podcast. And I'm Colleen Stanley. And joining me today is Stephen Rosen. And together, we're going to tackle the age-old issue of bridging the knowing and doing gaps. So I am really excited because we have a terrific guest today. So, Stephen, I'm going to hand it over to you. Fantastic, Colleen. I want to welcome Keith Rosinsolo, Vice President of Sales of Miller Manufacturing. He is not only a gentleman, but what I consider a visionary leader. Keith, welcome to the show. And can you share a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Colleen and Stephen. Very honored to be a guest here on your show today. And a little bit about me. I have a very difficult last name. It's Rasidlo. It's very hard. Nobody ever gets it right. Vice President of Sales for Miller Electric, as Stephen mentioned. Been in the organization for 12 years. We're in the welding industry, a very old industry, and have a rather large sales organization. And I have the honor of working with a great group of people that make up that sales organization. And they are weld engineers, industry professionals, and an extremely technical bunch. Again, that's a little bit about me and who I manage and the organization I work for. So with that, I'll pass it back to you, Stephen. I'm going to jump in here, Keith, because what you're reminding me, I grew up on a farm in Iowa, and I have to tell you, my dad was a great welder. So as a kid, I used to go into his shop a lot. Now, I had, I'm, I'm pretty sure today that would be considered rather dangerous for a child to be in their welding shop. But anyway, I digress. Keith, here's the question I want to throw to you is, and I'm always really curious about this one because I've had several of these moments in my life. But we like to frame this question up as, what was your awakening moment as a sales leader? Because I'm looking at you, we've had a prior call, you're very smart, but I've even seen smart people where they go, duh, there's a better way, a different way that I need to approach my leadership. So I'm curious if uh, you had one of those awakening moments. Yeah, Colleen, great question. And you can, we all look back in our careers and there's probably a couple and I'm going to go to the one that I probably had most recently. And mm -hmm. that's really around the journey that our organization has been on. And we've been really building the skills and aligning behaviors to this vision. And there's a lot of energy that goes into that. And there's a lot of work and you're in the weeds and you're reinforcing behaviors. And that's great. But at the end of the day, are you measuring or testing how well you're executing to that vision and where we're at in our journey? And there's been these large things that have occurred with COVID and different things that have slowed progress at times. And yeah. as I look to next year, I'm saying we've been building for a long time. It is time that we really test the vision or else how do we understand what's working, what's not, or do we need to pivot? Or are these investments really paying off? And I look at where did we miss there? Is there an opportunity to get a little more metric driven in some areas and really raise the level of accountability with our leaders? We've done it at the field level, but it hasn't necessarily rolled up. And so why is there a disconnect there? And how do I get the information I need so that we can make adjustments accordingly moving forward? And that was my aha moment here as I've been building this. So it sounds like an exciting journey you've been on and the, the, you've rolled it out to the folks below. And I guess really the challenge that you're talking about is how do we get our sales leaders to, to lead those yeah. changes and, and the vision 
And what are you doing to, to get them to be part of that process, to build in the accountability and the buy-in from them? And, and what have you learned so far? It's a lot of work in managing change and getting that buy-in throughout the organization. And it takes a long time. And it starts with really understanding what those long-range plan objectives are, what the annual plan is. And I think most organizations today take that stuff, you give the highlights, you cascade it down throughout the organization, and that's fine and good. And you explain the what and the why. But, you know, where I think we're Taking another step here in the accountability piece or the piece that I talked about that was missing is really getting us leaders to understand it's not our job to figure out the how. It's really those frontline managers that need to have a say in it, have to be involved in it. That drives adoption that will lead to them and a higher level of accountability they have towards executing on that vision because they had a say in it and they're going to drive it and hold their team more accountable than they would if we were telling them exactly how to do it, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? You just gave me a little bit of an epiphany here because I love to tell. So it's something I have to be really careful of as a leader teaching. And to your point, the what and the why, then the how, because the old adage, and it comes out of actually adult learning, is people believe their own data, right? Yeah. And, and frankly, generally, if they're closer to it, whatever the issue is, the execution, they're better at it. Is there anything that you had to work on to really help your leaders step back and say, let them figure out the how? And I don't know if that's too vague of a question, but I'll throw it back to you. It was more of an aha moment that we right. all had together. So sales directors and myself and... It was a reflection process that we go through, Colleen, like okay. on a yearly basis. I like to use some very simple tools to just gauge progress towards the vision. For instance, a from to orientation. And so we have some from twos from when we started this journey. Okay. So that was the first iteration of the vision. We're going to go from a manufacturer's rep to a strategic selling organization. We're going to go from reactive to proactive and those steps in between. And really just, so we do that on a yearly basis. The from two gets a little bit more pointed at times. And so where we had some disconnect, we're saying, why isn't it connecting here? And so why isn't territory planning working as well as we thought? Because we came up with everything in a silo and a box. And so how do we make the team part of the process? How does that look? We have to give guardrails and some structure because we want them to leverage data. We want to drive a mindset shift and thought process, but it doesn't need to look the way that we want it to. And so let's leave some creativity here. That's really how we've gone about it. I don't know that we've really, there was much more than an epiphany and a realization by all. So mm -hmm. leaders were okay with that. Are there times when we're in conversations about relinquishing a little control to the frontline managers and we got to just agree to move forward. Yeah, certainly. And that's just the different personalities. And I do hope our listeners really heard the word reflection because I often find people moving into the next year and they have not taken any time to slow down in order to speed up in the right direction. So uh, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And I think that's why I introduced you as visionary, Keith, because 
You do. When we first met, you had a very clear vision of where you wanted to get to. And it doesn't happen overnight. You're talking about getting buy-in and buy-in from your leadership team. What are some of the challenges that you come up against? Was it the frontline managers? Is it the, the level above that? Where are you facing the biggest challenge to move your vision from where you want it to be to where you want it to go? Yeah. So a slew of challenges there, Stephen, along the way. It's not a linear process and uh, you take two steps forward and one step back sometimes. But I think where I experienced quite a bit of challenge early on is getting the buy-in on the vision. We had a sales force that was highly successful. We have very good market penetration and a long tenured sales force. We have a lot of people with 20 plus years experience in the organization. And so to come up with a vision and tell them that we need to do some things differently here when they've been highly successful, you can imagine how that goes over. And so I think the challenge was how do you really tell that story and get that buy in there? And it's really around bringing some data to the party, okay? And getting them to acknowledge that things are changing out in the market faster than historically they have. And you have these macro trends that are going on in our industry and our customers are facing or needing more value from us than they ever have in order to overcome those things. And it's in our best interest to figure out and be the partner to bring that value. And that means us doing some things differently. And I tend to focus on the potential loss. So although my vision is rooted in how do we outperform the market and get growth, we really focused on what's the risk of staying the status quo versus growing. And, and, and you start there because I believe that psychologically people are more likely to respond and react to loss because we've already worked hard to get it. We have ownership there. Something that is additive, that is new, is out there. It's not mine yet. So people tend to value the business that they have versus the business that they don't have. And so by doing that and telling the story in that manner, I think that really helped get the buy-in of the organization and getting folks to understand, wow, he's right. That is coming. I am getting those kind of questions from my customers, et cetera. And so I think that was one of the biggest challenges that we really had in this journey was setting it out on the right path and getting the mass buy-in. Because as you guys know, it's at different levels in every organization. You got early adopters, you got people that come along, and then you got some detractors are never coming. I think framing it up in a manner in which would resonate with them was the critical piece. I love the fact that you told a story and that you actually tapped into psychology because the psychologists, they have a term for it. It's called loss aversion. Mm -hmm. And so like it or not, we as human beings will take action more to avoid a loss than even achieve a gain, yep. which kind of flies in the face of how we all like to talk and persuade here. And what's interesting here, Keith, this is the change curve. I suspect you're familiar with it. So we all, change is coming. And then we go down the toboggan. We take a really fast ride. Your hair is blowing back, right? And then you end up with a thud at the bottom of the hill and you're looking up. And I think what happens with that change curve is people have to make a decision. And as you said, some are early adopters, some are slow adopters, and some are no adopters. And that becomes a tough call. 
leaders. So with this, maybe let's frame it up as change management. Is there just one or two things? You mentioned one already, the psychology of it. Is there anything else that you're equipping your sales leaders with? Because change management is sales management today. So any tools there? Yeah. So from a tools perspective, we've done a lot. Just to paint a picture for our audience, we're going from a manufacturer's rep to a strategic selling organization. This is reactive. That's proactive. This has no sales process. This has a repeatable process that we believe brings extreme value, will win faster, will win more often, et cetera. A lot of tools along the way, Colleen. And I think the biggest piece was getting the folks to understand that we're going to invest in them. And I, I think the tools were around coaching our leaders, ensuring that they're equipped to coach, ensuring that they understand what leadership means in our organization. What does authentic leadership mean to us in our culture, our values, because the team is going to need that through this process. And frankly, that's an area that we're even going to take a step back here this year and go a little deeper. So really asking our folks to answer some questions, rate themselves on where they are with each individual on their team. And because we've had some new leaders along the way. Mm -hmm. And another thing that we've done here through this to allow for that coaching to happen, for them to spend the time with their frontline sellers is we've added resources, we've added regions, we've span of control has been managed to be more appropriate so that we can spend the time to do those things. Quite a bit of effort there. Now, certainly data metrics, all that good stuff, We have that in spades now. We didn't always, but we do today and certainly able to raise that level of coaching and support to really help the team reach their goals and focus on them making the money and maximizing their compensation, et cetera. Does that answer your question? It does. And what really resonated with me is that your organization is putting in a system, maybe I'm using my words, a system or Mm -hmm. process to allow time for coaching. Because this is the knowing and doing gap. Everyone knows that people perform better when they get coaching. And yet the overall organization doesn't put the manager in a place where they can actually dedicate the time for that. Sometimes they turn into firefighters rather than, you know, professional uh, coaches there. So, no, that's the one that really resonated with me. And Colleen, I'll be honest with you. It was, we started with coaching when we started out on this journey because we're like, hey, that makes sense. These guys are going to need to be rock solid coaches as we go down this sales process. And then the reality is they were firefighters, right? That's the reality of sales management. And we had to take a step back. And again, the word that you liked, but we really live it constantly is reflection on a yearly basis. And as we're ending up a year, we're saying, where are we missing the boat relative to what we said we were going to do? And how do we then create the time and the energy to be put into that, what we call high value activity, what we expect from our frontline sales managers. So. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm passionate about coaching and we've had various discussions on, on coaching. Can you share some of the learnings in terms of how you can better arm your managers and, and create a comfort level that they can coach more effectively? Stephen, I took last year and I level set with the team and I threw out a question to them at our leadership kickoff meeting. And it was just a question. 
how much of your time do you think you should spend coaching? Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, nobody was right and everybody was under. So we level set the expectations to say, look, this is the job. This is where we're going to get the biggest return on investment. And so you are allowed, if I am bombarding you with any ass or if your director is or somebody, don't do it. You are freed up to spend over 50% of your time coaching, out on the road coaching. And I frankly would like that number higher, Stephen, as I know you probably would too, but I got to meet people where they are. At some well, time, it's so. building, right? You want to get a certain level of commitment, then you can always up it, raise the bar on performance as time goes along. But. Yes. So Stephen, I, we set the expectation, we freed up the time, and then we have provided some tools in the way of coaching plans and starting to be intentional. For our organization, our teams and our span of control is probably still too high to necessarily have that for everyone. And like I said, we have some long tenured folks in the organization and a high percentage of our team that's probably going to retire in the next five years. So we got to pick and choose our battles here and invest where it makes sense. But where it does, we're putting those things into place and ensuring that we're investing in those people. We're spending the time with them, reinforcing, understanding their personal goals, their professional goals, and just trying to do right by them and make them as effective as they can be. So Keith, as we wrap up today, and you've shared a lot, and for anyone watching, listening, go to Keith's LinkedIn profile. He's got a big old background here. But if you had to narrow it down to one piece of advice to sales leaders, Who's the gentleman who wrote the book, The One Thing? I think it's Keller. Yeah. If you had the one thing and you do that one thing by this, some things go away or become easier. What would be that one thing? I, I think patience for any sales leader is one of the most important things you can have because it's lonely sometimes. You hear all the negative, you hear all that and patience and not reacting right away. Patience and the curiosity to really understand where the noise is coming from and keep asking why so that you can really get a picture. Because I see it time and time again in organizations where there is flavor of the month, there is at first sign of adversity, they knee-jerk react and get thrown off course. I think patience is the biggest thing. Behavior change, big shifts in an organization doesn't happen overnight. And I think you also have to be honest with your team. So as you do find things and you do need to make changes, you need to own when things don't go right or as right. planned. And I think that helps drive buy-in and conserves your team's culture, their mental state, their understanding that, hey, this guy is he's being realistic about what we need to do. Yeah, I think that's my biggest piece of advice. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I might just add is... You don't come up with a vision like this on your own. It takes collaboration. It takes sacrificing in some areas and going in a different direction in other areas, maybe that you agree with. It takes a lot. And it, it, frankly, it takes education, books, consultants, different outside resources. And one big piece of advice that I give to organizations that are looking to make major changes or shifts, do your homework there, right? Don't just adopt the thing that you read, really 
reach out to multiple consultants, interview them, find people that fit your culture. All of our businesses have different nuances. Our go-to-market strategies are different. So you really got to find the people and do the research and spend the time on the front side. So anyways, great advice and a wealth of knowledge. And I appreciate you sharing with us. Colleen, maybe you can jump in and and summarize, because there was lots of takeaways. I was making notes and trying to listen at the same time. You're going to make me summarize all this brilliance. I'm going to suffer from what they call the recency effect. But just what you said here, Keith, and I'm going to tie it back to that how, which obviously grabbed me, the what, why, and how. When you're talking about patience, like I usually frame that up in the emotional intelligence world as delayed gratification. And I do believe in our world today, that is a skill that we've got to pay attention to and develop. Because... When you take a look at a really well-run sales call, it's patience from the pre-call planning, designing the questions. And for managers, I know with skill development and change, it just doesn't happen that fast. So often they're pretty good at the skill. Maybe they were the early adopter, but they're not having the patience to bring people along. So I think the one I'm grabbing today, Stephen, is that delayed gratification. And, and the other term I'd use, and it's really out of the EQ world, is reality testing. If the plan ain't working, redo it. This is where we all, we throw money after things at time and investment. And I love the fact that you guys are course correcting. I think more companies need to do it, but it's hard to do because it takes a little bit of humility. So yes. those are some of my takeaways. Well, I was going to actually, as you say, the, so, so let me cover a couple things, Keith, that I thought were really valuable and really well said. I used a different word. I called it tenacity. From my, my knowledge of Keith, I called him a visionary because I really do believe he's got a vision of where he wants to bring the sales organization. He has a process. And the reality is Rome wasn't built in a day. It does require change management and a very tenacious approach to getting from where you are to where you want to be, the reflection throughout the process, the data, but also bringing people along with that journey and having them be part of it. I think is one of the key ways to accelerate to where you want to get to. And one of the things that nobody really speaks about, and I, I cover a little bit in bold leadership, is one of the ways to motivate people is what are the upsides is motivating, but what are the downsides to doing nothing, to status quo? And if you want to be a bold leader, you have to challenge status quo, even motivating senior management to move because sometimes senior management is very risk averse, not only your tenured sales force. And if you don't present the risks, then status quo is always the easiest place to be. So it takes a boldness or a tenacity to, I think, move your organization. And it's not a small organization uh, and you got lots of people, lots of different tenures. I think you're bold and tenacious. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. So, so I just want to say, first of all, thank you, Keith. And uh, you, this is really good. And I love your, your presentation style. But as we wrap up another one, I think is a great episode, the sales leadership podcast. We hope you gathered some really good insights. I know I have, and it's closing that gap between knowing what to do and actually doing it. So if you found this discussion on whatever we want to call it, on moving an organization from where they are to a vision valuable, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast uh, and ensure you don't miss out on any of the future episodes. Although this one has been fantastic. I hope you have some awakenings as you go forward and spend more time with us. Thank you again, Keith, Colleen. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you both. It was a pleasure. Right. Thank mm -hmm. you.